gonna do a little introduction of, uh, of Noel Tan, um, the artist of this work. Uh, but just to let you know, Friday, these Friday gallery talks run regularly. They're a half an hour. Uh, we try to focus on a, just a few works so we can focus more, more on them more in depth. Um, we try to bring in scholars, thinkers, artists, uh, writers, people with a different perspective so that we can kind of broaden the meaning of the work and have a, a larger discussion about what, what our associations are with the artwork. So I'm gonna do a, a little, uh, a brief introduction um, and just say that Noelle Tan is, she's a, um, she's a DC area artist. She um, graduated from CalArts in 2002 and has shown nationally in both solo and group exhibits. Um, and would you call yourself a photographer or an artist that uses photography? <laughs> <laughs> what a CalArts question. I know, that's actually, this is the thing. We had, we had a conversation prior to this and we both went to CalArts, so that will be coloring a little bit of this, I think. Yeah, is, we're, uh, we're covering CalArts grads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the things that's interesting about the current exhibit is that you'll see John, um, John Baldessari's work featured prominently, and in that first gallery, there are a lot of people from CalArts, and it, it produced a certain kind of dialogue around art that I think artists were, are reacting to. And I think in some ways, we can talk a little bit about that with her work. Um, do you want to talk about when you first started doing this series? Okay, uh, yeah. So this series with my um, thesis work from grad school. This is my grad school graduating work. Um, and it was very huge departure from what I applied to school with, from what I had basically ever done. Um, the body of work that I applied to school with, with these eight by 10 set up pinhole Polaroid photos, but moving out to the West Coast, like I had had all my education on the East Coast, which is a very specific sort of environment and landscape, and then moving out to the West Coast, suddenly this whole, the geography just changed. Everything changed and how I would see my environment and felt in my environment. And even the quality of the night is so completely different out there. When you, once you leave Los Angeles, like I, I always, like I lived in New York for like 10 years after NYU. And I would drive from NYU to DC, you know, I would leave at like one in the morning. And there's like this constant, there's constant civilization, like up and down the East Coast. But once you leave LA, it is just night. It's just it's this incredible quality of night that I had, I was telling Ryan this, I had been seeing these pictures in my head, I think, for my whole life. And then suddenly, like being out there and running across like the right material, like that somebody had left this exposed piece of paper like in the dark room, just like on the table. Um, and, and it had this dusty black quality and everything just sort of fell together. Um, and I started making these night works. And you, you also mentioned pinhole photography, which does an interesting thing, which is it, 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 um, it, I guess, I'm not quite sure how it works, but there's usually a sense of blurriness kind of around the edge yeah. of the photograph. Yeah. And is there any, do you feel like there's any connections between the pinhole photo photographs you were doing in this work, or do you see it as um, a departure? Um, I see it as it's a departure, and I feel like pinhole can be really, um, there's a weird performance aspect in pinhole because of it's, you know, you have to set it up and, and everything, but I think it's more that the, the, there's the same depth of field. Like in pinhole, everything is in focus from right in front of the camera all the way out. Uh -huh. and, 
um, with these night photos, it was the same thing. Like, I just wanted everything to be in focus um, when I was shooting them. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that you say everything's in focus, because then you've decided, though, to have some areas where there's, there's light be kind of like, almost like these little tableaus. And then, and I'm, I guess I'm doing some interpretation here, but also there's these very dark areas all around it. I mean, a good portion of the photographic paper does not have, like, a, it has imagery on it, but it's very faint. Yeah. You're not letting really, the, it's not, you're not doing, you're not filling the whole paper. Yeah. You're really letting a lot of the blackness kind of be there. And can you tell about how you, just the, technically how that's done? Or? Um, well, technically making the exposures was really hard. It was, um, I also discovered that the quality of night is very different from, you know, nine o'clock to five in the morning. So to get the real, like real darkness, I had to shoot from between 10.30 and two in the morning. Yeah. Um, what was the question? <laughs> the question was like, oh, so the exposures. Yeah, the process of the exposures. So since it's so dark, you can't use a meter and you can't do anything like that. So I would basically, I would have a tripod and then I would take a range of exposures, about five of them starting at 30 seconds, ranging to four minutes, uh -huh. that kind of thing. And then see what. And then out. when I would, after I process it, I'd go in the darkroom and see which one mm, sort of held that threshold of basically nothing being there and then a little bit being there like some of them were were too had too much information and then maybe the last exposure it was just a completely clear negative and there was absolutely nothing so i would have to pick the negative that was just right about to disappear and we, we've talked a little bit uh before when we were together this idea of intuition that that one of the things that Arts during the time that you were there, and probably during the time I was there, it was really emphasizing that you're conscious of every choice that you make as an artist, and that you can somehow explain it in your rap, which would be how you talk about it. <laughs> and then everyone's been trained to do these raps to the point that they, some some people came in as artists and actually, you know, went out as writers. You know, so there's this this aspect of of over maybe uh, aspect of over articulating, and and to me, I find it really interesting that you're. That you're under, is it underexposing the film? Or that um, you're, you're taking, you're, 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 not, you're not giving us the whole picture ever? Yeah, no, I think the film is um, overexposed and then, no, underexposed, you're right, it's highly underexposed. And then the printing process was just a matter of finding the exact exposure. Because what's important to me about these pictures is it's hard to see with the glare, but if you look up close, you can see like very faint branches against the dark sky. And like holding just that boundary was really important to me and getting the exposure of the papers right because just a, a little bit more and once it dried, suddenly it would just be completely black. Like everything would be gone except for, you know, maybe this bit. But in, in finding the subjects for this, I, it, it's a body of about 13 pieces and I basically would just drive around at night. I would spend hours driving around at night, always across around the boundaries of whatever city I was in. So right where the city ends and then like and then wilderness would begin, that's where I was photographing. Sort of also at the threshold, sort of reflective of like the threshold of like the, the black branches against the black night, um, that sort of idea. So they're not all in Los Angeles. The whole body of work is sort of a lot in LA, some in Eugene, some in Wyoming. It, it's interesting when you talk about that, it also makes me think about that the spaces that you're exploring are the spaces kind of between the city and the rural areas, that those kind of edges of the 
civilization kind of where, where the wilderness or the unknown and the known cross over. Right. And it's, you're also doing the same kind of thing with the photography. There's areas that we know that we can actually see as physical space, and then other areas that are very ambiguous and on the edge. Um, and I guess that makes me think about what happens when you kind of go on an adventure. You don't really, and I think that, I yeah. guess for me, I've been thinking that these trips that you make as a photographer are like adventures. Yeah, you, you never know what's gonna, what you're gonna find. You just sort of drive around and you, it's, 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 it's like 100% intuitive, which, and so it's like, you know, if I go the wrong way, maybe I'm not gonna find what I'm looking for, and if I had gone another way, maybe it was just right around the corner. And it's, it's just a matter of um, just looking, and then something would click, and it would match what was in my head, and then I would shoot. And it was just, you know, sometimes I would drive around for like three or four hours, and nothing would strike that chord in my brain. Did you ever just think, like, why am I doing this? Yeah, especially when sometimes it would be like a little bit scary. It'd be like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, like, because when you're out at like two in the morning, driving around these, you know, abandoned areas, my mom's having a heart attack. When you <laughs> when you drive around these abandoned areas, uh, you know, it'd be like, well, I know why I'm there. But then if you see somebody, you're like, why are they there? <laughs> there was this one time, like behind, um, it was right behind LAX at Dockweiler Beach. Um, and it was like it was it was probably like two thirty in the morning, and I had taken my tripod out, and I was shooting. Um, there were some airplanes in holding pattern, and there was a little beach hut bathroom thing. And then this and there's the entire road is empty, and this car comes up and pulls up right behind my car. So I was like, I am out of here, you know. I would I threw my equipment because why would they stop there? But I think it was more just like it was more that fear. But I also discovered that the fear. Um, was important having that having that stress was important because you know sometimes I would drive around and I'd I'd manage to like convince a friend to drive around with me, um, and I couldn't see anything. I couldn't. I my my brain wasn't working or it, I was just not seeing right. And I think maybe that that uncomfortableness was important in making the work and being able to see what I needed to see. I know. I think when you think about how much we rely on our eyes to feel safe and that how darkness takes away our ability to kind of stabilize ourselves. That those are things that, that are you're, I think, very, you know, transferring to the photograph. And that there are these stabilizing areas that have light in them, but then there's these very, again, these very ambiguous areas where you're not sure what you're looking at. You have to kind of piece it together. And yeah, they're very demanding pieces. Like, if they're not just going to, um, like, when you look at them, they're not just going to give it up for you. Like, yeah. you have to work at it. You have to spend some time looking and seeing. and. Um, I was sort of interesting because I know when I drive around really late at night and I'm a little tired, like your eyes start to play tricks on you a little bit. But and I've discovered that watching people look at the work, I remember watching somebody, they're staring at the work and they were like, is that a dwarf? <laughs> I was like, you know, like even their eyes started playing tricks on them, like looking into this blackness. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something that you, you can feel when you're on the highway. I call them like the little invisible cats that like run right in front of your tires and you're like, ugh. Yeah. It's like you know you're tired. Uh, yeah, and then when you're really tired, you're like, is that a deer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, and the idea of perception and being a photographer, and, uh, photography, I think, has, has really reinduced reintroduce this idea of realism and, and the real and, and what is real and those questions. And I think like that when I look at your work, it doesn't do that in the same sorts of ways. Even though there's like a documentary impulse, I feel like you're also playing with what we can't see. 
right. what we do use our imagination for. And so I find that really interesting about the work. But this documentary impulse, I think you had said that some of the early photographers you were looking at were more... Yeah, when I started photography um, in high school and then into RIT, two years at RIT and my first year at NYU, I was very invested in I was going to be a documentary photographer and that's really what I wanted to do and I loved Eugene Smith and that whole tradition of the magnum photographers and affecting the world and social change. Um, but it became really difficult for me. It was something that um, it was hard for me emotionally to do. Like I, I couldn't cross that barrier that a lot of really successful documentary photographers feel where they don't feel like they're exploiting. And I always felt that I was, um, I was very self-conscious about taking something from somebody. But, I, but you're right, I think in the tradition of how you shoot documentary, like I think my stuff is still very traditional in that sense. Like I don't do everything in this body of work and a lot of bodies of work, it's very much um, very straightforward, the shots. There's no wacky angles, there's no you know, crazy lenses or anything like that. It's just the very, you know, hor like a lot of when you, when you learn about photography, people break down successful imagery and, you know, the, the parallel line and the S and things like that. And I still incorporate all those things. I mean, you can't actually see them, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's something you think about in some formal. Yeah, yeah. With, and I think when, when we look at a photograph, at least for me, I sometimes will forget that they're from a series of photographs. Right. And that there's this, giant kind of stockpile of, 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 of all these photographs of, that um, a more traditional photographer draws upon. So um, when you take these photographs, does one photograph lead to another? Are you taking cues from one photograph and trying to carry through an idea? Or is it, is it different every time with each location? I think it's sort of different every time with each location. Um, the, I think when you edit, once you go back and you edit, so I end up shooting a lot and printing a lot, and there are a lot of pictures that I really liked that really didn't fit in the, the feel I was trying to come across. They were either too scary or too film noir or too uh, obvious. Uh -huh. um, they lack subtlety or, you know, things like that. Um, but in the shooting process, um, it's basically e I, each environment is unique. And then they come together in the editing process. Um, How do you bring them together as a series, or do you not really care about that? Um, I bring them together as a series in my, you know, it's in my own head. Like it makes sense to me, okay. you know. And I feel like it, that's the most I can do. You know, if, if it matches what's up in, in my brain and it fits and it makes sense, then hopefully it'll make sense to other people. Okay. Let's look at this other series over here, um, and just. Well, as we shift, just see where the alarms are going off. And these are just called these are just called a drawing series. Um, and do you want to be in the corner like that? I like being in the okay, corner. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I'd be like, get me out of the corner. <laughs> uh, and hopefully you can see these. Hopefully you all had a chance to to look at these up closely. I mean, I, both of these works weren't a lot of close looking because there's. There's an aspect that is like drawing in terms of we can just look at them as marks in the empty space of the page, but also too we can see that these actually are photographic images. Calling them drawings is an interesting thing. I mean, that's something that's saying that these aren't photographs in a certain sort of way. Yeah, that it, it's a, it's in order to fictionalize this fictionalize this space even more. I think since we we're talking photography is very invested in the real and in that mo that exact moment in time in that exact place and. 
on top of them making them look like drawings, I wanted to just add that extra layer of, is this real? Did this really happen? Or add the more sense of a timelessness to them, I guess. You know, and, and to also allow the viewer to look at the work and feel that they can be mentally more interpretive. You know, they're not just looking at it being like, OK, well, what is that? And when? And it be so specific that it's the ambiguity and the vagueness in both these projects is really important to me because it's, I want, <coughs> I want the viewer to really be able to engage, to really bring, to really, to sort of, sort of me, for the images to be more like, like a, like a poking in your brain, like you know, like, what does it make you think of? Does it remind you of something? And like clues, and it's part of why I also choose very generic and uh, generic topics, you know, things that aren't so very like this white work I shot almost entirely in the Southwest um, because of that's what. That's where it had to be. You know, they're, they're, if you shoot in the East Coast, there's this um, there's this really frustrating line, tree line, in every single picture. <laughs> it's just impossible to get out, and it you know ruins this sort of pristine whiteness. Um, and yet you emphasize the tree line. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the same tree line. These are beautiful little Southwest trees, not so bushy. But um, the you know, I avoided taking pictures of, you know, the traditional, like, cactus or things that would be really indicative of, of a place. You know, I, I wanted it to be very general and very, like, oh, I, I remember seeing that or, oh, I know that, you know, image somewhere in my brain. Uh -huh. It's interesting, too, because now what we have is a, are um, dark areas against light. And so we have, again, the, the space of the page is primarily a white space, and I guess what I start to think about is how we, how you read these and how we can read these. Do we read this as a space, or do we read this as as, as just a piece of paper? I mean, are, is is there are you? I would like to be able to read it's like I think hopefully they'd be read as space that you would your brain would try to fill in, you know, maybe where you'd seen something like that or where that would fit or um, yeah. you know I know I've talked to people where. Um, it's a, it stresses them out. Like they want more. They want more information. They want they want to be it to be handed to them. They don't you know more than trying to figure it out, trying to fill in the spaces on their own. And I think you know something that, that I think you and I also talk about, which is this the way the photograph seems to be able to have this kind of mechanical objective eye that gives us more information than that we can even take in. Like, yeah. There's some people who talk about the uh, the photograph seeing more than the human eye can see. And so in some ways, you're making the photograph or the, the, the camera work in a way that maybe an eye works. It's more selective. Yeah. It, or that things get edited out for some reason. Because yeah. I think when you're talking about fear in that one and how it was harder to drive or harder to shoot because you were feeling fear, it's weird how, it's how emotion might block the way we see. Yeah, know? or that or when, you're, when you feel safe, you know, or... To me, it's, that uncomfortableness is important. I don't. I think maybe, like, just in my own process, your instincts are more heightened. You know, if you feel uncomfortable, if I have that uncomfortableness, it's more that you feel that sort of, you're just more hyper aware of, of where you are and what you're looking at and things like that. Um, what what what's the mood here that that I mean? I guess it's up to us to interpret the mood for ourselves. But in terms of when you were working towards that and this, working with these locations and decided to do it as, a, as white photographs, was it just a formal decision or was there something else coming that you were um, kind of intuiting about the space? 
when you were it, shooting it? It was, I think it's a little bit of the feeling like, well, like I said with the black work, I sort of felt like the black work had been, had been images that had been in my head actually for an incredibly long time. Um, and it took them, it took until CalArts for them to come out. And I think with the white experience, it was more of that sensation of, um, I don't know if everybody's felt this, but it's, it's that feeling of driving out into the desert. It's noon, it's incredibly hot, and it's that, that brightness, that incredible brightness where you just, to me, it's incredibly soothing, like to some people, like I, that, that expanse. And maybe this work implanted itself in my brain when I drove out to California to go to grad school. Um, I think with a lot of my work, it's just the ideas and the images aren't sort of implant themselves years and years before it all comes together and comes out. And, and you've made a decision here, too, to not do these digitally. These are all just camera and black room process. Yeah, I've been a black room photographer since I was 16, and it's a process that's so ingrained in my nature. Um, it's how I understand image making from the very, from the, you know, because a lot of it is dark room process, so a lot of the creative work happens in the dark room. Um, and I'm not, it's not that I'm super down on digital, it's just not, um, it just doesn't make me feel creative. Like I don't feel creative working on Photoshop and the dark room and negatives and um, the uncertainty and the potential for failure and the potential for success and all these things that are so unpredictable. I think that's what I like about black and white about traditional black and white photography. And do you feel digital photography is more predictable? Or? Um, I think there's too much of an immediacy, immediacy, immediacy of decision making. When you shoot, um, I think I was just talking today about this. How you shoot digital because um, you can shoot just like thousands of pictures, and for me, and I don't know about other photographers, for me it would. I think it would just be, um, I wouldn't be thinking when I was shooting. Like I would be shooting and just shooting and shooting because I can shoot for forever. And then going back and deleting what I don't like at that moment, um, to me seems much more tenuous than having negatives just because the digital process, I mean, how do you know? Like how do you know that at that moment that that picture isn't going to be something that's going to be important to you six years from now or that that picture is going to be important when you get back from your trip or you just don't know because I don't think you can make all those decisions right there when you're shooting. I'm, I don't work like that. I, it's, you know, maybe some people do. Maybe, you know, I can understand its usefulness in a lot of other arenas, commercial photography and things like that. When you are under that time pressure, you've got to make that decision right there, right now. Art directors are looking over your shoulder. Um, turnover time is important. But for a project that has lived with me for a long time, that's finally coming out. It's a long process and I don't want to make those decisions right then and there. You know, and I don't want to and with Photoshop, like the the printing thing, I just there's no life to it for me. Like I there's a lot of life in black and white photography that I don't feel in digital photography. I mean I I'd like to open it up to our group to ask you questions, but before we do it just maybe to talk about what you're working on now and, and maybe the direction you feel you're going from this work? Uh, so what I'm working on now is also something this sort of weird amalgam in my brain of, uh, the only way I can talk about it is the difference between how I did this process, how I shot these works was just 
it was 100% intuitive. It was just driving around, looking for something that matched this weird feeling I had in my head. But this next project is much more um, purposeful in the shooting, where I have very specific ideas about what I need to photograph. Like, I have some pictures from Waco, and I have some pictures from Centralia, and I have a picture of a girl making snow angels, and they're much, they're very specific place, and they're very specific content-wise. Um, but they all go together in my head, and I'm not finished, so I don't, and I haven't talked to a yeah. curator or friends who know more about my work than I do <laughs> to tell me what I'm doing. Um, but uh, it's challenging because I still want to maintain that level of vagueness and ambiguity so that people can, so that it's still a clue, so that it's still, here are a bunch of ideas and thoughts, and they go together for me, and maybe they make you think of something kind of thing. Now, this is an interesting thing, because you talked about curators or friends who tell you about the <laughs> Does that change the way you make your work when you talk to them, or what does that help you do? Um, I usually, um, basically how it, it goes is I make a bunch of pictures, and they make sense to me, but I don't have any words to put to them. Um, and at the point where I've sort of hit a plateau and been like, what am I doing? I'll usually find a friend who's a curator or getting a, you know, a PhD in art history or American photography or something and be like, let's talk. And it's just, um, sometimes the words help sometimes to get just a little bit of clarity of what I'm doing. And then from there I go and I make more pictures and then I'll find somebody else or that same person to talk to about them again. Um, and then finish the work, and then get somebody to write an artist statement for my Guggenheim grant. <laughs> so, with that said, I, I think that's an it's it's an interesting. The only thing I also was thinking about is that there's a sense of Americana here, but it's probably because you've been kind of going through the American. Yeah, it's, it's unavoidable. Like no matter how generic or how every day you think you're photographing something, this sort of Americanness comes through, you know, which I didn't even realize until I would show the work to people who aren't Americans, and they, would, they read it so strongly as like the American road trip, Americana landscape, things like that. And that was sort of incidentally interesting to me that it's just yeah. unavoidable. I mean, for something that seems so abstract, it does, it does seem to be, it's definitely about landscape, but it does seem to bring that up for other people too. Yeah. So. Well, thank you very much for coming. And I thank you for coming. Thank too, you well. for inviting me. <laughs>